and welcome to the first episode of Late Night Chats. I'm Catherine. And I'm Leanne. And today we are discussing the movie The Social Dilemma, or I guess it's a documentary that was on Netflix. Yes, it's um, pretty new, but uh, I would say it's a it's fairly essential watch for anyone who's a technology user in oh, today's world. 1000%. Like at first when you look at it, it's just like, oh, it's just another documentary about like social media. They're just going to be like dissing Instagram or something. But no, it's actually like super influential, important, I think, for like Kat said, anyone, especially teenagers. Yes, for sure. And um, kind of leading into our next discussion, as technology users, we're responsible for making sure that we're using the technology responsibly. Um, But one thing that the documentary discusses is the role that social media companies um, and platforms have in maintaining, um, maintaining ethical practice and upholding the responsibility of being responsible for the well-being and um, usage by its uh, its users, especially younger ones who are more prone to addiction. And yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, just with that, like the basic premise of the documentary is um, like interviewing people who are part of those companies, either like creators of things such as like the Google Drive or Pinterest or people who worked on Facebook. And it's just them discussing ethical dilemmas within their company and what they see like the problems in social media are. And then there's also like a different part of it that follows like this family storyline and how social media affects the family, especially the teenage boy. And they use like clips from real life and like real events to like back up what they're saying. Yeah, I thought another... um important part to discuss with that is another sphere that's discussed in the documentaries they actually take um artificial intelligence and represent um the program as uh people in control of um the 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 main app or apps on the um the boy and the family's phone so that kind of provided um just a more like relatable and concrete representation of that idea yeah I thought that part was really cool because they controlled the boy almost like a voodoo doll um how like the more they interacted with him and the more they got him to use his phone the more control they had over him and then eventually they just had like complete control over him like a voodoo doll I guess like the premise of a voodoo doll (laughs) and they could control his actions and that was just like really scary and it really drove home the point that, like, the programs that are made, like, do make us addicted. And they literally change our brain chemistry, which we'll get into. And <laughs> um, they make us, like, controlled by these companies. And we can't even help it. Yeah. And um, one of the the main interviewers was a man who I believe worked, worked for Google as a design ethicist. And um, he ended up leaving Google because of uh, ethical reasoning or ethical reasons. And um, the the main thing that he discussed was um, was addiction with um, with technology, just because uh, a lot of the film focuses on like why these tech companies are so set on creating designs that get their users um, 
to to engage with the technology more and um that comes down to uh, the the business model and the um the uh just the way the platform functions so i thought that was really interesting to to learn about how that works and we can further discuss that um just especially since like people might know how that how that works but uh really just like not all the specifics and the way that uh Mm -hmm. the the ideas were phrased by the people that were being interviewed i thought was really interesting yeah so in those companies there are people who have jobs which are dedicated to something called growth hacking, which is just ways to grow the company like exponentially. Um, And the way they described it was like how to get someone to have like 10 followers in like seven days or something, just so you like automatically get addicted to their service. And like Kat mentioned, the design is made for you to become addicted. So they want you or all the companies are competing to have your attention so basically humans are the product the technology isn't the product we are and they're all fighting to control us and um and control our attention and how much of our life like they can get and they're also um like the main way they make revenue is by like ads and stuff like that so they're buying ways to change and control our thoughts and beliefs because the more you're exposed to something the more you're going to be inclined to believe it so if they can expose you to something or let's say they can expose like the whole popular or like one percent of the population to this then they can like sway that whole one percent of seven billion people to think something which changes like a lot of people's minds yeah, I thought a really good line from it um, was uh, when talking about how how things or like platforms that are free to the user um, often mean that the user is actually um, the product in that in that situation. And um, so, social media companies are selling our um, our our preferences and. Um, kind of just like our um the way we engage with the platform to advertising companies and the advertising companies are the ones that are actually paying the social media platforms um just because you can um you can tell uh like what a person is like inclined to do based on how long they spend on um on each image or each uh, each post on on social yeah, media, yeah, that was scary. Like they <laughs> yeah. can see literally everything that you do. Yeah, <laughs> and and they showed that in the um, in the artificial intelligence um, model where they're calculating it to like fractions of seconds how long you spend on each on each post. So I thought that was, oh, God. <laughs> that was, that was a little, <laughs> little freaky. <laughs> yeah, and at some point, like they know you better than you might know yourself like they can tell your personality type who is like your ex or who like is your relationship right now if you're lonely and then they can make predictions on how you might act in the future and that's what really scares me because at some point if they're making predictions on how you will act in the future and show you information based on how they think you will act like when does that like draw the line of like when they think you're going to act that way and then when you do start acting that way and at that point then they're just almost like controlling your future and Kat and I have talked about this before but we're really like 
worried that it's almost diminishing the free will that humans have in making their own choices. And at this point, like companies and especially these like advertising companies are just buying to like get rid of that free will and make choices for you. Yeah. And, and even if you uh, do consider, if you do believe that humans like don't actually have free will and our decisions are just based off of like our past experiences, like this is just a very, a much more tangible expression of how um, like our behaviors are controlled by our past experiences. And um, kind of basing off of off of that, um, like a lot of a lot of what they talked about was social media directs you like while it's showing you like the content you're wanting based on how long you spend on each post, it's also sending you down. Um, it, it's categorizing you. It's sending you into these uh, they call it rabbit holes, and um, so you're just kind of being grouped with people who have similar preferences. And that um, Leanne and I have talked about kind of leading into the the political sphere with that, um, where divisions are being drawn between groups of beliefs, and uh, because we're only exposed to the content that that we agree with and that we want our um, ability to converse and to engage with people of other of other beliefs. Yeah, are. <laughs> like there's already such extreme polarization, and this just emphasizes it because you think. It gives you this false sense of reality where you think everyone around you agrees with you because that's all you see on social media. But then when you go out and actually talk to people, people don't actually have the same thoughts as you. And then you're like, hold up, what? (laughs) And you just automatically think you're wrong because you're shown all this quote unquote proof, but you don't even know it's true. This is another huge thing about social media that is very scary is that there we are in the age of disinformation Mm -hmm. and you don't even know what's true and what's false. And sometimes it is really hard to tell. Even if you do your research, it can almost be impossible to tell like what is true and what's not, especially if you're being fed this information. Yeah. Um, yeah, once those uh, those beliefs are, are established, it's kind of hard to, to step out of that, as Lena discussed. And uh, another thing about, about these, uh, these groupings on social media is that we're not seeing the world in the same way. Like the statistics and the I mean, quote unquote, statistics and facts that we're seeing, (laughs) um, regardless of whether they're true or not, like people around us might not even be seeing the same things based on on their preferences on social media platforms, which is kind of scary because there's no hope for um, for honest discussion between people beliefs when when we don't even have the same set of facts to base those beliefs off of. Yeah. And like everyone has their own world, even the people that you see on your feed they don't have the same feed as you. So everyone has their own set of facts, their own reality that, that they live in, which is true without social media anyways. But when you think, like when it gives you this false sense of unity, um, that you think everyone is has the same facts as you, that you think are real facts, when you're trying to talk about like very important things such as politics, race, discrimination, um climate change when no one has the same set of facts or no one has the same like world it's so hard to have constructive conversations yeah and um that can get 
really dangerous like while while in our world um like our localized world that might seem just like oh like you can't agree with the people around you like okay whatever but if that if that if that ability to control the opinions and um, the beliefs of an entire population get in the hands oh, of, <laughs> of somebody that doesn't really have the interests of the population um or is only yeah it is a dictator or like somebody um out for personal gain um and, and we've seen this in in election um election sway or inter- interventions um how how social media can influence people's perspective on like important um important political issues and, and uh decisions in a country mm-hmm. and with like an example they talked about in the movie there was um that genocide in Myr- or Myanmar. um for the muslim population there because the government pretty much weaponized facebook and was feeding this false information to their population and it just incited all this violence and crime against the muslim population there that resulted in a genocide and thousands and thousands of them were brutally killed because the government was able to use social media to feed their population this and you think like oh that could never happen here like people would know what's true and what's false but like I think that's a really good example of like no like people they are easily swayed and they can do awful things yeah and I think the the important thing to recognize is like obviously we're going to these extremes here and talking about about the worst um the worst of these situations but the important thing about social media and and the artificial intelligence is using is that it acts on like subtle changes in your behavior it's not this this one dramatic shift it's like slowly bringing you um closer and closer to uh these more extreme beliefs um oh what did what did it talk about um there was uh, it talked about how people who were who had even like looked up some sort of conspiracy theory on i believe it was facebook or twitter um were actually like led to like shown content um based on the pizzagate conspiracy yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) and obviously like that resulted in um in actual like actions of of violence or act in action um based on this conspiracy they weren't even like looking for those like the QAnon type conspiracies but because they were looking at something like sort of related to it the the platform i think it was facebook just like gave them this information and then that just led them to believe all these crazy conspiracies Um, (laughs) but they don't seem crazy yeah yeah it can yeah it's just the yeah and like what you were saying with like the small changes like it just creates like these unconscious habits like back to the design part of it um like it it truly does make you addicted to your phone or your technology because there's like the refresh button or in snapchat there's like the pull down option and you just sit there keep pulling down like waiting for someone to snap you or the notifications especially they're just (laughs) trying to grab your attention they're all all the apps are fighting for your attention and fighting like hey like come back to your phone like you need to come back to your phone and that's why it makes it so hard because those actions give us dopamine and then we get addicted because it feels good to look at your phone it feels good to get a notification from your friend or from instagram or something like that 
but then we can't leave our phones. Yeah. Yeah, and and addiction is becoming a a really serious thing. Um, I know we've talked a lot about how um, how that's affecting even like our our ability to function in relationships. And I know somebody, uh, one of the interviewees in the film, talked about how our addiction to our technology like is diminishing our confidence in the real world, and we're relying so much on our like uh, this necessity to be holding and to be um, using this this phone as a crutch that we don't have like the confidence and ability to engage to just go in real out life. Yeah, exactly and that's like really scary for for our generation because if we're completely digitized and completely reliant on this technology like are we eventually going to be losing like our critical thinking skills like our our, our patience and mm. um yeah uh it's just or like even our compassion um, is like a big thing because you're exposed to just so much content on these platforms, like a ridiculous amount. And um, you're, you're constantly seeing these, like, uh, whether it be like of really good things or like really awful things that are happening in the world, like those have become the norm just because we always see those things. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of our real life seem pretty, pretty dull in comparison. Yeah. And um, another thing they talked about was like the evolution of our brains and how technology in the past few years, like, especially like its presence in our lives have grown, has grown so much, but our brain evolution has barely grown at all. So like Kat said, we are being fed all this information, good things, bad things, just tons and tons of information all the time, but our brains aren't evolved to be able to handle it which I personally think creates this sense of just like apathy towards information like you just don't care about it and so things could be happening all over the world like you hear like people are starving like the entire country of Yemen is just in this huge famine and war and we just hear about it like oh okay just another war um (laughs) or like you hear about this like amazing thing where this guy like goes into like a burning building like saves a baby and you're like oh that's cool like we just see too much information where like nothing surprises us nothing makes us feel good it just makes us feel an emotion yeah (laughs) which is really um just going to the core of it it's kind of an assault on our humanity like (laughs) we're just losing a lot of that and obviously like technology has so many benefits like it creates connections like across across distance and across divides that we would never have thought would be possible but at what cost does that come and I guess it comes like we have to decide what we what we value more like do we want to to continue to rely on on this technology and um, and benefit from it, um, and do we want to risk like losing our ability to actively engage in the real world and with our real relationships with people? Yeah, because um, I thought a really great quote from the main interviewee. Um, he said that technology is like overwhelming our weaknesses, so we have the strength to not be addicted to our phones we have the strength to put it away and to just not be so greatly affected by the negative aspects but since it's overwhelming our weaknesses and what like we want um like we just can't control ourselves so we have to decide like are we going to let it like 
are we going to like fall to our weaknesses and just like let that overwhelm us because right now it's it's stealing our lives pretty much like our lives are passing us by I spend so much time on my phone. <laughs> I will say that. The weekly reports. <laughs> yeah, the weekly reports are not looking good. I spend way too much time on my phone. And I noticed, like, I think my life is seriously passing me by, and I'm only 17. Like, yeah. I would rather sit in my bed and, like, watch a Netflix show or, like, text my friends and driving to their houses and, like, actually talking to them. Or I'd rather look at a picture of a beautiful place then try to make an active attempt to go to a beautiful place yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure it's... or even notice the beauty like around me like there's exactly. so much around here but like since we're just oh like I wish I could go here but like let me just look yeah. at a picture of these like mountains because there are no mountains in Illinois because it's flat here but like <laughs> look outside like there are beautiful trees and it's like uh... yeah no I completely agree and and even um just working on like our hobbies and our passions like, <laughs> I, I mean like ideally I would love to spend and so much time on um like doing the things that I love to do just just in, in that free time I have and it sounds so pitiful but I end up not most of the time <laughs> and I feel it's a really really hard cycle to get out of um like even if you just um even if you're on your phone for, I mean, I don't even know if I can say even, even two hours <laughs> a day. Um, like, unless you were using that completely constructively the entire time, like, were you, were you really, like, embracing life? And it's hard to get out of that because if you drop your phone, like, I mean, not, like, just, like, <laughs> put it aside and, and spend time in the real world, like, I feel like when I've done that, because I've tried to go on some phone purges, and I mean, there's part of you that's a little FOMO, a little anxious. for sure. Even, yeah, like I, just a couple weeks ago, like we both tried to do, like, just the, (laughs) the, leave our phones behind for a little bit, and like, I literally got anxious, because I was like, what if my friend texts me, like, I wanted, like, help with something, or, like, it's just so bad, and like you want to live your life but the way the phone and technology is designed is like your your life is your phone and they want it to be that way which is just the worst ever and like back to the addiction thing like we say like oh how how like a phone is a drug but I think it's like worse than addiction (laughs) to a drug like we take those types of addictions in our society so seriously but phone addiction is not taken seriously at all like but I have literally seen it in my own personal life. Like, my parents are addicted to their phone. Like, I can't even have a, a dinner with my own father without him, like, having to take a phone call or, like, checking his email because he's just so addicted to it. And he's an adult. And, like, people might think, like, oh, it's just, like, teenagers are addicted to their phones. But no, like, it's everyone. And the worst part about it is that we can't live without it. Yeah. If you want to be a functioning member of our society, especially American society and modern society, you have to be on your phone because so much is through technology. Yeah. And and I do see that um, with adults, but I feel like what scares me even more is uh, like, I have two um, younger siblings and during quarantine, they use like technology like computers and Xbox to connect with their friends and be able to talk with them while playing games. Um, 
but now that's all they want to do. Like, every break during lunch, like, from school, and um, just every time during the day, like, that's all they want to do, and when they don't, when my parents are like, hey, like, maybe you need to spend some time off of it, or let's, like, set some time limits, like, they get angry, like, they have meltdowns, and that's, like, (laughs) maybe, maybe a little sign of immaturity because they're younger, but that's also kind of scary, like, how reliant people are on technology. Yeah, and, like, these are the first generations that have never known life without it, (laughs) and people are just getting it younger and younger, like, Mm -hmm. both Kat and I, we didn't get phones until we were, like, in eighth grade, so I think that's, like, 12 or 13, but now kids are getting phones when they're, like, eight. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, you see it, like, um, oh, gosh, like, when you go on, I mean, obviously not right now, but, like, public transportation, like, people avoid eye contact and just, like, look at their phones, like, that's just all it is, like, people are afraid to, like, look into the world, like, it's Mm. almost just not good yeah and like when, oh sorry go ahead. Like, um, <laughs> like communication is like human interaction is just like dying like I think it just gives me anxiety and it definitely increased social anxiety because you have your phone and it's like your little safe space because all your friends are on there <laughs> and like you know your phone and you're you're literally afraid to look up at the world and make eye contact with someone yeah. god forbid <laughs> you say hi and smile at a stranger oh my gosh <laughs> But, like, it's scary. Like, I am scared to do that. And I think it's greatly part of, like, my phone gives me this, like, security that I can't let go of. Yeah. <laughs> and I know part of the part of the doc had discussed um, uh, social media's effect, how, um, oh, what was, I believe it, uh, issues of anxiety and depression in kids or somewhere between, like, Is it, like, teenage older, girls? Yeah, I think it was, like, older, older tween, like, um, older kids to, uh, to 17-year-olds, um, rates of either depression and anxiety rose by, like, 4% between, I think it was, like, or five, I think it was, like, 300%, like, it was, like, threefold. (laughs) There was one where it was, like, talking about just the anxiety, depression rates, and I think it rose, um, in, um, it was definitely more... There was one, because they discussed, like, a couple things. They discussed the rates of of self-harm and suicide going up by these these massive percentages. And the uh, the documentary made a claim that this uh, this drastic increase really started occurring or, like, being evident around the time that social media was available on on, uh, mobile devices. And that's, like, maybe they're just, like, trying to draw conclusions from that, but based on the way that we're feeling uh, with, like, being anxious in the real world or um, spending too much time on, on phones and how that, like, impacts our mood and stuff, I would say that that, that conclusion is a pretty valid one yeah, to draw. Yeah, I think there has to be, like, at least some correlation. It probably isn't, like, 100% just because of technology, but it is definitely a big part of it, especially with um, the teenage girls. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but, like, I feel like they're definitely more impacted on, like, the for depression and um, the suicide rates just because of the big thing of, like, body image mm-hmm. um, and just confidence and self-worth because they're – you were just – 
able to see like thousands and thousands of people and all of a sudden you're exposed to all these opinions and validation from our from people who are around us is part of like human nature like you want to be validated um but all of a sudden you're exposed to the world and you need validation from the entire world and that is never gonna happen (laughs) but we want that and when we get these like negative like comments or something like that that like really hurts us even if you don't even know the person yeah and I feel like even um like it does tie to like public like people directing comments towards you but I feel like most of it comes from you directing comments towards yourself just because of like all the perfection and all of the Mm -hmm. all the beauty that you see on on these platforms and you're like wow like why isn't my life like that yeah just like seeing someone else's quote-unquote perfect life Mm -hmm. like they have like the perfect house or like the perfect body or something like that and like we we just can't have like gratitude or like see the like worth in our own lives just because we're constantly comparing our lives to other people's and our lives just never are good enough yeah which is just not true (laughs) there's there's a lot of um a lot of good in the world and if we just look up from our screen for a little bit we might we might see it more um yeah i did have uh one more comment i think we're gonna bring this to a little bit of a close here yeah but um the the document or the documentary talks a lot about um the dangers of uh dramatizing um content and, and events in the media but i feel like one criticism i had of the documentary was how much drama it used in getting its message across like i feel like as we mentioned like so much of that stuff like it's completely valid and we've experienced those things in our life um but the the way it was presented in the documentary like it follows like that same sort of like you need to react right now to this kind of idea that it's it's discouraging on social media platforms that's just one thing that i didn't love about yeah, I definitely agree because it was just using the same tax- tactics to like grab our attention, mm-hmm. which honestly I like can I can see why because they yeah, like they the want, in it, yeah. yeah. Another thing I didn't really love about the documentary is how they ended it because I mean, I guess it was good. They tried to end it on like a, a hopeful note mm-hmm. by talking about like the amazing things that technology has allowed us to do and how it's not all bad, but I think it almost made the movie just like it just lost its seriousness because they just like all of a sudden transitioned into this hopeful note and how it's all gonna get better but I think the message they were really trying to get across was like this sense of urgency and how it needs to change because it is affecting like all of us because right before the hopeful part they talk about how or the interviewees discuss like what they think is happening in the near future and some of them literally say civil war like (laughs) the uh, a breakdown of democracy Mm -hmm. um like more genocides just our world basically imploding and then all of a sudden they're like oh but it's good like (laughs) yeah I just I didn't like how they transitioned to that and I think there is this sense of like we always need to end on a hopeful note but I in this situation I really don't think it was appropriate to Mm -hmm. end on that note no, I agree. I did like the scene um, in the, again, going back to the artificial intelligence representation where the wall between um, between the boy who they were controlling and um, 
became these representatives of, of artificial intelligence. Uh, like the wall just kind of like came down and they were able to see more eye to eye. And I thought that did represent like the like hope for a positive engagement um, between between a user and technology and how it could be uh, technology could become a tool. But um, as Leanne said, like ending on that hopeful note, like that's not the reality of this right now. It's yeah. really just um, increasing um, increasing its power. And if we want to to be active participants of our world, I really think we need to analyze our behaviors and ways we can support each other in stepping away from our technology. Yeah, and I think it is important that they did talk about like the hopeful stuff because. Like, we do need to be, like, grateful for this technology and how, how much it has allowed us to do. But there is also, like, so much that needs to be changed about it. I agree. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, that's it. Thank you for listening. Yes. And please watch The Social Dilemma if you have not already. <laughs> okay. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>